When my son was five years old, we were notified by the school that there's something disconnecting. He seems to be comprehending everything and able to verbalize everything. But when he's asked to write things down, the letters will be backwards or mirror images. That was kind of like the first clue of neurodiversity or traditionally learning disability. It really scared me. It was devastating, to be very honest. I have a lot of fear because I was so worried he's not going to make it in life. I am 100% Chinese and grew up in Taiwan, and my husband is half Iranian. I think the reality is that to a lot of immigrants, even second generations, we realize that in order to be in this American life, we need to acquire skills. For the longest time, I focus on what is not meeting the standards and not seeing that he is actually gifting others. Welcome to the Science of Happiness. I'm Dacher Keltner. Curiosity is a tool that science has shown can strengthen our relationships and make us more likable. It can help us hold on to a sense of meaning in our lives, and it even can lift our moods. Our guest today is Stephanie Shao, a cardiologist at a leading Bay Area hospital. Medicine is her life's work, but she says her other life's work, that of being a parent, is far more challenging and humbling. Stephanie was challenged, as so many parents and caretakers are, by some surprises about her son. She wanted to know if being more curious might help her change how she approaches those difficulties. So we gave her some tips. They come from author Scott Chigioka, whose new book is called Seek, How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. It offers science-based techniques to cultivate deep curiosity. And we're going to hear more about that from Scott later in the show. The powerful piece about deep curiosity is it doesn't just help you to collect information. It really helps you to connect to the people that are in front of you. More on the science of being curious after this short break. Hi, it's Dacker. If you're like me, you probably have a wide variety of interests when it comes to your podcast listening. A little psychology here, a little history there, which is why I want to recommend a show perfect for those with eclectic tastes. Freakonomics Radio has more than 10 years and 500 episodes worth of answers to your biggest questions. But don't be fooled, it's not just for economists and business experts. Every week, Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of everything, With the help of guests, including CEOs, artists, and Nobel laureates, he breaks down all sorts of things, like how we choose the people we marry and why using swear words might be more important than you think. So don't miss out. Follow Freakonomics Radio right now, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. 
Welcome back to The Science of Happiness. I'm Dacher Keltner. Today, we're talking about how curiosity can help guide us through difficult times and enrich our connections with others. Our guest is Stephanie Shaw, a cardiologist from the Bay Area. She's also the parent of a nine-year-old son who's neurodivergent and wanted to better understand and support him. She tried some curiosity practices based in the science of slowing down, checking assumptions, and making commitments. Thanks so much for joining us on our show today. Stephanie, today we're going to talk to you about your role as a parent, but I, you know, parenting comes from our experiences as a child. And I'm just curious if you would tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, I grew up in Taiwan until the age of 14 that I came to the U.S. Came here by myself, actually. I was a strong-minded teenager. Now, Uh looking back, I probably was very difficult to my parents. Essentially, I I think I started around age 12. I watched a lot of ER shows, the American ER shows that were translated in Chinese and was just fascinated by medicine. Just transitioning suffering to a point of healing was Mm. very powerful. My parents said, you know, if you really want to be a woman cardiologist or even any kind of physician, you have to go to the United States. Yeah. And I never stopped thinking about it. I pretty much just didn't stop talking about it from age 12 to 14 <laughs> until they are decided that, okay, you know. So you packed your bags at age 14 and went to the United <laughs> States. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They sent me to a boarding school uh-huh. in San Rafael. Uh-huh. So you have a nine-year-old son alongside this yes. busy career? So yes. What's it like being a mom of this nine-year-old son? He's a vibrant, really just Probably the happiest kid I have known, always full of energy, very stubborn, um, has a mind (laughs) of his own. (laughs) And I mean, on receiving the diagnosis, I was terrified. I started kind of picturing worst case scenario and falling behind reading. How is he going to keep up? And I was like in fear. Why did you choose curiosity? You know, I think for the longest time since his diagnosis, I have been doing a lot of research on remediation in terms of what kind of tutoring or service speech level he needs. But I essentially started treating him almost like a patient, but without really honoring who he is or what his true gifts are. And I just didn't know what does it mean to be a neurodiverse kid. And so I said that I want to get to know my son. You chose to harness for our show today the practice of curiosity, and I'm thrilled because I love Scott Jigioka's book, Seek, How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. And it has these following steps of slowing down, setting intentions, visualizing being curious, doing things to check our assumptions, being open to being wrong, leaning into hard experiences and making commitments. So talk us through what you did step by step. Like, how did you slow down and set an intention to be curious? The biggest, I guess, assignment I had for myself is I want to see my son as his whole self. Mm. I just told myself, you know what, for this whole month, I'm not going to harp on his homework. I'm not going to worry about his handwriting. I'm just going to sit with him and to see where his joy is. The next step is visualizing being curious. And so you've got this month and your intention is to really know your son. And how did you visualize 
what to do with him, and how did that change your parenting? I essentially start observing what brings him joy and his interaction with all of his friends and peers. And I saw parts of my son that I'm almost now ashamed that I haven't really seen before, and I should have given him more credit for because what an incredible child! The way he loved his friends, it's tremendous.、Yeah. You know, there is no. Ounce of jealousy or comparative mind, and when his、yeah. best friend、That's、is、amazing. happy, he's really happy.、Yeah. You know, and I just love that. I realize that you know, at core, probably the most important job as a parent is to raise a human being that is genuinely kind and benevolent and altruistic, if possible. And I saw my son kind of in his true nature. He's like that. And it made me want to kind of foster that and cultivate his ability to bring that to the rest of the world. It sounds like in this curiosity practice, one of the key pieces that you're speaking to is just checking your assumptions. I think the assumption would be there. There's so many theories of parenting out there. There's、yeah. gentle parenting, respectful parenting. There's Tiger mom parenting, you know, and I think the latest thing is scaffold parenting.、Uh-huh. I think my assumption is that one of these have to work, and then in some way I've tried all of them and nothing <laughs> really worked. And I realize that actually the best parenting is just your relationship with this other human being, right? To、yeah. develop that trust, to explore life together, and to be a place of safety. And the more I'm actually aligned with who he is. I think the better his life will turn out. And out of curiosity, this practice often comes a sense of like, "Wow, I'm really open to how I got it wrong." How did you experience that? In the middle of curiosity practice, as you are receiving all these adventures, encountering or things that are different from your assumption, a lot of times my mind will be somewhat in conflict with these assumptions. And part of this practice is to. Acknowledge the assumptions and then let it go, and let it okay to be a little bit different from what you expect. I realize that I think that neurodiversity is just the way some of our brains are wired differently. For example,、yeah. he is gifted in visual spatial space. He is going after the fourteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old type of complex Legos, and he finished this like two thousand-piece Titanic all by himself in six hours with like hyper-focused concentration. And so he is showing me areas of his almost like super strength. For the longest time, I focus on what is not meeting the standards and not seeing that he is actually gifted in others. One of the things these exercises do for us is, it energizes us to make other commitments. To like, okay, God, I've learned this out of this practice. How has that taken shape with you and your life and your son? You know, I'm discovering what interests him really, and I'm just so excited to learn with him. So when I look at my son, I wonder when he grows up one day, will he be deeply happy、yeah. and find meaning? And what will he need? That's my best wish for him: is that he remains a joyful and happy and empathetic person, and bring the light to the people around him. 
Well, Stephanie, thanks for sharing your story here. And thanks for talking about the demands of parenting and what you've learned through curiosity. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Coming up, we learn more about the science of being curious with author Scott Shigioka. True curiosity is open-hearted, open-minded, not knowing what you're going to discover or uncover from someone else or from yourself, and being willing to be transformed by what it is that you actually experience. More curiosity after the break. Support for the science of happiness comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it, Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com happiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash happiness. Hey, grownups. Have some curious kids in your life? I'm Molly Bloom, the host of Brains On, a science podcast for curious kids and adults. Each week, a different kid co-host joins me to find answers to fascinating questions like, can you dig a hole to the center of the earth? Do plants have feelings? And why do we lie? Plus, we have mystery sounds to guess, songs to dance to, and lots of facts all checked by experts. You can listen to Brains On wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Science of Happiness. I'm Dacher Keltner. Today on our show, we're talking about how curiosity can help us break through assumptions that get in the way of relationships and forge new paths forward. Our guest, Scott Shigioka, is the author of a remarkable new book, Seek, How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. Scott, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks so much. I'm like beaming. In your book, you make this really interesting distinction that shook me, which is between ordinary curiosity and then deep curiosity. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I talk about it on a spectrum. Curiosity is on a spectrum. There's shallow on one end and then deep on the other end. And shallow curiosity is the desire to know things. It's in questions like, what's your name? You know, where are you from? What do you do for work? You know, you get some information and it's helpful in some ways. But as you move towards the deep end of the spectrum, you start to unearth stories and insights and values. And it's much richer and it's more nuanced. So instead of asking a question like, what's your name? You might ask, what's the story of your name? Instead of asking, what do you do for work? You might ask, you know, when do you come alive? It really helps you to connect to the people that are in front of you. And it really transforms your own perspectives and your own beliefs. Our guest for today's show did some of these practices and I want to get your thoughts on this. Tell us about why slowing down is so powerful. Well, the way that I talk about it in the book is using the metaphor of quicksand. What most people do is they flail around and they freak out, and that actually sinks you in further and faster. What you want to do when you're in quicksand is you want to slow down 
and really focus on your breath and become as buoyant as possible. And you want to calm yourself so that you can really have a better decision-making process. And then you want to intentionally and slowly move your body so that you kick the sand around that allows you to then rise to the surface and then you can get out of the quicksand. And, you know, I like to say that we're all in quicksand in different moments of our lives. And sometimes our inclination is to add fire on fire when we slow down. That really does make a difference. So tell us about visualizing being curious, like using imagery, such a nice scientific literature there, police officers in Detroit, you know, when they visualize scenarios and being more relaxed in those settings, were better able to reframe kind of the complexities of their work in positive terms. How do we visualize being curious? I think a lot about visualization in the context of sports, you know, Alan Richardson, who was a psychologist who studied mental rehearsal, basically this idea of if you can close your eyes and imagine yourself shooting a free throw basketball in a particular way every day, would that allow you to improve your free throw shots? And basically the answer is yes, almost just as much as if you were to practice it in a court every single day. So, you know, that also applies if you're going into your office and you know you're going to have a really tense, you know, conversation with your employees and you want to show up with that calmness, with that curiosity. Good reminder. My final question, Scott, give us a couple of closing pieces of wisdom on how we can rely on our capacity for curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned this from the wildland firefighter in Montana and who said, you know, I don't fight fires. I am with the fire. I need my curiosity to actually respond to what's happening in our communities with these fires. If you're not curious about the world around you and what's inside of you as well, then you're not going to be able to respond in these dire moments, right? And we all have our own wildfire moments in life. So in the book, I talk about writing a vow to yourself when you're about to go into this wildfire season to say, how are you going to show up for yourself in this moment? And that's the big insight is, you know, when you are curious, this isn't just about the people around you. It's really an opportunity to transform yourself. Scott Shigeoka, thank you so much for your work in the world, for being on our show today and for your new book, Seek, which is giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh, that means a lot. Thanks, Stacker. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to The Science of Happiness. I'm Dacker Keltner. On our next episode of The Science of Happiness, we explore the benefits of spending time thinking, writing, and learning about our ancestors. I've never really considered my ancestors and like how they may have moved through the world. And just this writing practice was an invitation to the whimsy, the curiosity and joy and well-being and levity of their lives. I'm Dacker Keltner. Thanks for joining us on The Science of Happiness. This episode was supported by a grant from the John Templeton Foundation as part of our project on expanding awareness of the science of intellectual humility. To learn more, go to ggsc.berkeley.edu ih. Special thanks to Pauline Bartoloni, our producer for this episode. Our executive producer of audio is Shuka Kalantari. Our producer is Haley Gray. Sound designer Jenny Cataldo of Accompany Studios. And our associate producer is Maria Zuffer. 
Our executive director is Jason Marsh. The Science of Happiness is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRX. Thanks for exploring the science of happiness with us. 